Before I introduce my expert guest today, I just want to thank everyone listening for their support with the launch of my new book, Your Baby Doesn't Come With a Book. It's now available online and in-store at all good booksellers, and I'm just blown away by the reception, by the amount of people reading it, sending in their reviews, gifting it to pregnant friends. I am filled with gratitude and pride. You can get it at Big W, Amazon, Booktopia, Dimmix, Target, The Memo, and more. I'm on a mission for all parents to be empowered when their baby arrives and thrive, not just survive, the first four weeks. Hi, I'm Dr. Daniel Golshevsky, paediatrician and father of three. Welcome to my podcast, Dr. Golly and the Experts. Each episode, I'm joined by a parent who has faced an enormous challenge in raising their child and come out the other side as the expert. You'll know my next guest as one of the hosts in the Bondi Vet team. Dr. Lisa Chimes is an Australian vet who has made a significant impact with her expertise and compassion in the field. Her experiences on Bondi Vet showcased her dedication to providing top-notch medical care to a wide array of of animals from the furry to the feathered. And while she's performed multiple surgeries on Australian pets, she herself has been on the other side of the fence through complications that punctuate her incredible health journey. Today, Lisa is here to discuss the journey through multiple birth complications with her children, Hudson, Darcy, Spencer, and Lottie, who were all born via cesarean sections. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Golly. How are you? I'm very, very good. Now, we're going to dive right into it. You have had four cesareans. That's four times major surgery, major recovery. How does that impact the body? Before we talk about complications, which Mm -hmm. are thankfully rare, just going through a Caesar, because I feel like a lot of people don't quite know what a Caesar involves in terms of the actual process and then the recovery. I love them. I loved every single moment of them. I felt like, I used to say I felt like I was in a movie set. Like it was like this, you know, whimsical dream and and you're given this baby at the end. I, I was really lucky. You know, I have had amazing obstetricians looking after me and mine were all elective. So they were all done in a very cool, calm, collective manner. We chose music, um, we sung, we laughed. I had, you know, my same anaesthetist all the way through and it was like we used to call them the A-team and I knew the nurses. <laughs> I think by the time you'd had that many babies in the same hospital, you, you're kind of a household name there. But, yeah, for me it was it was incredible. Like there was no pain. It was you. You delivered this baby within like four minutes. They, the we had skin to skin while they were stitching me up. Like all those scary things that people tell you about Caesars in that elective setting, really just you know it blew my mind. It was it was wonderful. I'd, I'd yeah, do it again. It's, it's my favorite way to start the day. <laughs> like I do this three four days a week, where you know that's how literally how I start my day, and mm-hmm. it is it is amazing because. It's not common that you have surgery you're wide awake for. That's the first part that's unique. And you've all got this shared target, this shared vision. And at the end of it, as you said, a baby comes out and it really is. It's beautiful. Yeah, it really was. magical. And and I think for me, being being able to 
have some kind of control in an uncontrolled environment. Mm. You know, the whole pregnancy is, has the risk of all these complications. And my, my two girls had growth restriction in utero, so they were delivered early. So it was like weekly, but uh, twice weekly monitoring and checking their growth and having, um, you know, the scans and heart rate monitoring and all of that. And then by the time you get to that point of that elective cesarean where you've made the conscious choice to get them out, you know what time they're coming out, you've dealt with a really scary pregnancy and then the the birth itself was so controlled. It, it really was, yeah, it felt like a movie set, like a dream. And what are the necessary restrictions put on women following a Caesar and for how long? That part of it was was more challenging than I realized. So, and I'm I'm quite an active person. I, I like to do a lot of exercise that involves a lot of jumping on boxes and crazy things. <laughs> but you know, you you come out of that cesarean feeling like you've got abs made of mincemeat. Like you you can't feel your core properly. You can't feel your pelvic floor properly. You can't. It, there's like this disconnect. Um, the pain is very manageable, I found, as long as you take the medication when it's due. For me, it was like, you know, don't be a hero. You've got to look after your baby. They've prescribed you the medication. Take it. Take it on the clock when it's due. And then you're actually quite mobile and comfortable. Certainly I was. Uh, But afterwards, there's definitely a restriction, you know. It can be difficult to sit up in bed for, um, you know, the first 10 days or so and and then getting back to normal activity, I would say. Like it takes at like the four to six week mark, you start to feel like, okay, there's zero pain now. And then, and then you kind of have like these hurdles. And for me, it was like eight weeks till I got into being able to do like Pilates. I did physio all the way through, which was really, really helpful and helps you kind of understand the different healing processes. Cause I think each cesarean takes a little bit more out of you than the, the one before. And the recovery is a little bit slower because you're getting less sleep and you've got more kids at home to look mm. after. And, you know, it's the second or third or fourth time they've cut into that scar. So the recovery is a little bit slower, but then you also don't have the same fear that you have, say, for the first one, because everything's unknown. Once you've done it before, you can kind of comfortably do it again. But yeah, Mm. it took me a good 12 weeks, I would say, before I could, say, go for a little jog. Um, So the first time I, I tried to do it too early, my, you know, had a little back injury, which was pretty mild, but it just goes to show, like, you really need that, those core muscles to have healed uh, before you even start doing anything in the realms of high impact exercise. And your recovery after Hudson, your eldest, was textbook? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say he was a textbook child with <laughs> sleeping <laughs> and reflux and all the, uh, and behavior and just, he's just one of those spirited, feisty babies. Um, and I can say that because I've had four and, and he, he, he really tested us. Um, but his, his birth was really good. Um, and his, his pregnancy was really good. He just made up for that when he was an infant and toddler. And then following Hudson, uh, two years later came Darcy. Recovery after that also similar? Yeah. So she, she was the one that was growth restricted. So it caught us by surprise and it was stressful the the last part of her pregnancy because she was tiny. She was 2.2 kilos when she was born and she had to spend two and a half weeks in the nursery and all of that. So the recovery was 
was actually pretty good with her because I didn't go home with a baby and as hard as that is in itself, I did have a toddler at home, I I was able to do, you know, fully focus on the first couple of weeks of my recovery without having a baby at home. It sounds terrible to say that, but it actually made the Caesar recovery a little bit easier. Mm. And also because she was such a tiny baby, it didn't involve carrying anything more than just over two kilos around, which was also easier. But yeah, she, that recovery also wasn't too bad. And maybe it was a little bit longer to get back to exercise after after that one marginally, but the recovery was was pretty effortless. And the same thing for Spencer two years after that? Yeah, I did find, like I checked myself out of hospital a day or two early for him because I was like, this is my third, I can do this, I don't need to be in hospital, I know how to breastfeed, all of that. And then there was a lot more pain doing that. It just goes to show that time in the hospital is really important. Just, really you know, important if you can get it. Yeah, yeah. So I went home too early. So I was a lot, I had quite a bit more pain in the first week with him. But after, apart from that, yeah, he was much of a muchness compared to Darcy. It was, it was pretty, pretty good. I did a lot of exercise during the pregnancy with Spencer because he wasn't growth restricted. For some reason, my boys are not. And I think that also made a difference. Yes, there was a bit more pain at the start, but I think I I felt stronger and and, and um, eventually went back to a higher level of activity afterwards. And I think that's because I, I trained during the pregnancy. So it, it helps. Which brings us to your mm-hmm. most recent Caesar with Lottie. Mm. Talk me through what has happened to you. Okay. Well, she, she, she was also, she had growth restriction, so not as bad as Darcy, but she was 2.3 kilos when she was delivered and we, we had her delivered at 37 weeks and I was very excited about this being like, you know, this is my fourth baby and it's probably going to be the last and I am going to savor every moment and I, I remember I asked the obstetrician if he could set up the video monitor so I could watch it on the screen, which sounds a bit creepy, but I, I did used to always um, look at the reflection the in reflection the operating the light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, <laughs> I am a vet, so gore doesn't really bother me. And, and it was it's quite surreal. You can't feel your own body. You just feel someone kind of pressing on you, but you can't feel pain and you're watching this video that doesn't feel like it's your abdomen. It's quite, it's it's crazy. So I watched the whole thing. She was right here on the monitor. Uh, and it was, it was amazing, like watching every part of that surgery. I, I work with an obstetrician who offers families for him to wear a GoPro. Oh, that's amazing. And he actually wears it on his head and films the entire procedure from beginning to end. And I then love that. you can have that as like a keepsake if you're interested. That's so cool. Well, we, we got our anaesthetist to video the procedures. We've got all our babies being delivered, which that's <laughs> great. some people find it creepy, but I, we love it. So I got to like watch this live on a video monitor, which was really amazing. And everything was perfect. It was, I was so in that moment, like, wow, this is heaven. This is so brilliant. And then, yeah, the complications (laughs) arose about 12 hours after she was born. So talk through what happened. So... So the C- Caesar went well. Caesar went perfectly. No, no complications. Baby was perfect. She was 2.3 kilos. So she was small, but she, she was feeding really well. So she didn't need to go into the nursery. And yep. um, that everyone was really happy with her. They were happy with me. I was comfortable. 
Yeah, apart from a bit of normal itching after the Caesar, everything was was um, really good. And then about twelve hours after the birth, she I started to get abdominal pain, but it was nowhere near the incision. It was like around my navel. It kind of felt like maybe I was getting gastro or food poisoning. So a little bit of a sort of cramping in my stomach region and felt a bit queasy. And then that progressed really fast. Um, and being number four, you knew this wasn't normal. Yeah. I think, you know, at the start I was like, oh, maybe I, I had to eat some sushi. So I thought, oh, well, maybe, um, you know, it's the sushi that I didn't get to eat all through the pregnancy that's now giving me food poisoning. But then it escalated the level of pain within a matter of, I would say, four to six hours got so bad that you couldn't even touch my skin. Um, like even just with light touch like this, I was jumping off the table. The nurses had maxed me out on my pain medication. I was vomiting. I was heaving. You know, imagine vomiting with a fresh cesarean wound. It was It was just, it was horrific. And I I knew it wasn't Caesar pain because it was up really high, up near the belly button. The wound itself didn't hurt at all. They had some temporary staff in the hospital, some temporary nurses that hadn't that didn't know me from previous births, and they were saying, "Darling, it's your fourth Caesar," and I was like, uh, "No, no, no, this is." So this you, you, so this was dismissed as just you know typical pain. I think initially, yes. I think once they got the doctors involved, it kind of they realised it was something more serious. But yeah, I think. When someone doesn't, you know, there's, I guess people have different pain thresholds and, and there's different emotions in the postnatal ward and, and maybe some of these kind of temp nurses thought that, that I, I don't know. Yeah. You. And, what, and, and your husband, Brad, what was he doing? He was, during this time? I sent him home. So I said, go ah. home. There's three kids at home. And I do, I always had him at home for after all the babies. Cause I actually, all I kept thinking about were my babies at home and mm. I didn't, I was, I'm fine being in hospital. It doesn't, like, I'm okay with that. I chat to the nurses and all of that. So, but I wanted, what made me feel less anxious was knowing my kids at home had dad there. So the first night, yeah, I, I was, I was alone there. So, um, yeah, it was just me telling the nurses what I needed and, and whatnot. I and had, then how did it escalate? So the pain had increased quite quickly over four hours to a level where you I, nobody could touch my skin. The nurses would come in and I'd be vomiting. I'd kick them out of the room. I kind of just had to be alone and just I'd get these waves of pain where I couldn't speak, I couldn't talk to anyone, these waves of nausea and I kind of, I actually pushed a lot of people and all these thoughts are coming back to me. It's, it's an <laughs> interesting reflection but I remember sending a lot of people out of the room because... I was in so much pain and so nauseous that I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want, I needed to just like focus on my breathing and, and just be in my little zone. And the, they'd kind of, they'd called the anesthetist and they'd max me out on my pain meds during the, the night. And I just, yeah, I, I just <laughs> kind of dealt with that alone. And then, yeah, the next morning they called the obstetrician had come in and, and they did a, an ultrasound and then they couldn't even touch the probe on the skin, let alone push it. I, I was just leaping off the table. And so this is, this is peritonitis. Like yeah. Where you, you know, inflammation, we don't know the cause yet, but inflammation within the abdomen so that you literally like it hurts to breathe. Yep. Yep. But I think at that point, nobody knew what was really going on because what was really happening is, was very rare. And 
as we say as as medical professionals, common things happen commonly, and um, mm. you know, so they thought that I had a post-operative ileus, which is a paralyzed bowel. Essentially, anytime you open the abdomen, you you know this. I don't know if you want to tell people, but um, it, the the bowel can kind of go into, I guess, a state of panic, so to mm. speak, in simple terms, where it, it just stops that, moving. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's why we often, you know, after surgery, you know, people will have to wait until they've opened their bowels or wait until they've eaten something and tolerated it to make sure that they don't have that post-op ileus or that, that post-op gut paralysis. That's and, exactly and, right. and that apparently can be really, really painful. So they've, they, they, and they see that quite commonly on the in the surgical wards and people can be in a, in a lot of pain from that functional problem. Uh, so because there were no complications during the surgery, they, they went with the notion that common things happen commonly, which makes, which is what we all do as medical professionals. And they, they fasted me and put me on an IV fluids and pain relief and anti-nausea drugs. And we waited. And yeah, the pain over the course of, say, another 24-hour period, it kind of plateaued, so it wasn't getting worse. So everyone just assumed, okay, well, she's improving in that period. Uh, and this whole time you're looking after a newborn. <laughs> yeah. Breastfeeding, is, et cetera. And I only realized how kind of out of it I was because after I'd recovered from this this whole complication, I noticed that I had like wounds on on my nipples from her breastfeeding and I didn't even know and I've I've fed, breastfed all my babies so I know how to do that and I didn't even notice like I was just plonking this baby on me and and I looked down a few days later and I was like oh my goodness she's she's damaged me and I had no idea at the time what was going on and small babies don't don't take a lot of milk they they kind of you know she was a little bit sleepy and she she just um yeah tiny little bird just wow. just went along with it. It was crazy. And then you were stable. You plateaued for 24 hours and yep. then? And then I wasn't, I wasn't really improving any further. So they decided to do a CT on me because um, they were hoping that within that 24-hour period I would have made a significant improvement because that's what typically happens with post-operative ileus and I didn't improve during that time frame. So they, they took me through to a CT and I had the CT and I got the news afterwards that I had what's called an incisional hernia, which basically means that in that setting, part of my bowel um, had come through the inside of the cesarean wound. So you couldn't see anything on the outside. There was no bulge. You couldn't feel anything. It was just between the lining of the abdomen and the first layer of muscle. And there was a concern on that scan that there was, that the bowel wasn't looking very happy. Yeah. So when you, a hernia is, is when one part of the body, be it bowel or, or muscle or any organ, pushes into an area where it's not meant to live. And it usually does so through a really small hole. In this case, the hole that was created to, to get Lottie out, but because it's such a small hole that it pushes through, that then becomes a noose and it threatens the blood supply to that little bit of bowel that was herniated, that pushed through. And if you cut off the blood supply, well, the tissue dies. Exactly. 
So, so keep going. Keep going. It goes on. So they called the bowel surgeon in and they came to, to talk to me and said, we're going to take you back to surgery. So at this stage, I had like a two-day-old baby. I said, we're just going to open up your Caesar wound and hopefully it's it's nothing too complicated and we will pop the bowel back in and have a check and sew you up and hopefully that will be Don't the you end. just love the simple <laughs> language? We'll pop it back, we'll sew you up. Well, look, it wasn't that simple because I was asking all the questions that I know from a medical point of view that we see with animals and my family was in a in a complete state of panic and they were, I had to calm them down in that setting. I'm like, are you the mind. only medical one in the family? My dad's a dentist, but as far as like, yeah, things like this, yeah, it's me. So I had to tell my husband, I had to tell my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister, guys, it's fine. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> Don't worry. And did you believe this? No. Were you, complete, were, were you worried? I was freaking out. What were you worried about? Well, I was worried about all the things that I see go wrong with animals when they have hernias and bowel obstructions and things like that. I was terrified of waking up with what's called a nasogastric tube, which goes up your nose and down the back of your throat to keep your stomach empty. I was terrified about that. I was terrified about my bowel rupturing, all, all the things that I've seen happen that go terribly wrong, but I was And you were keeping all of, containing this, it, yeah. all of this to yourself yeah, to protect your husband and family. Yeah, I think yeah, in my family I tend to be the person that always keeps keeps everyone calm. I mean, I've seen your work. You're <laughs> unbelievably calming and reassuring for patients. So yeah. it's no surprise that you play that same role yeah, with your family. I, thank you. I think I am an emergency vet, so you know we're taught to be cool in crisis, and it, it's just who I am. And I, I guess I can do that with myself to some degree, which is scary. So what happened in that operation? So they took me through. It was a full general anesthetic. This time I was certainly not awake for this one. <laughs> and then I woke up uh, in recovery with a lot of pain, more than I've ever felt in my life, and fell asleep again and woke up in ICU. And um, I had that tube up my nose, down the back of my throat, which was pretty horrific. And they told me that... It was a lot more serious than they had anticipated. And they basically had opened me up and they said, I won't use the profanities, but they said, my God, I had dead bowel inside me. So my bowel... So they, they changed that incision from your Caesar scar to... No, they, they managed to do it through they did the it all Caesar. Through there. They extended it, so they made it a, you know, a few centimetres bigger. But I was lucky enough that they didn't have to convert it to a vertical We call it a zipper. Because yeah, it literally yeah. goes the entire length of your yep. your belly. So I was really lucky that my bowel surgeon was able to operate through that um, cesarean wound, which made the recovery better than it would have if I had like a double incision, mm. a rev- upside down T. But yeah. yeah, they had what had happened was my bowel had become incarcerated in that little tiny opening in the lining of the abdomen. And it had cut off the blood supply, as you mentioned before, but it was it was quite extensive. So I had to have about 60 centimetres of bowel um, resected because they opened it up. It was it was like huge and it was black and it was it was on the verge of rupturing, which is pretty scary. That is an enormous 
amount yeah. I've got to have removed. Although the, the bowel surgeons tell you that's nothing. <laughs> well, but when you hear that amount, there's a lot, but it's a you lot. Know, you've got yeah. plenty left over, but it is. We're not talking about a tiny little 20 cent coin size piece of bowel that's died. No. This is, this is significant. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, waking up in ICU was, was pretty scary, especially when I'm an emergency <laughs> and critical care vet. I overhear them talking about things like lactate and all these things that we talk about in the emergency room and they're talking about that. I'm in and out of sleep and I'm hearing that about myself. I just remember saying to the doctors, what is my lactate? Which is, it's a, it's a level that we monitor in cases of, you know, emergencies. And yeah, it's quite scary when they're talking about those things and it's, it's you and you're kind of incapacitated with the tube up your nose. And did your mind go to Lottie all the time? At that point, all I could think about was this baby needs food. (laughs) And I, and I said, bring me the breast pump. (laughs) 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 I mean, people thought I was crazy, but I was just like, I'm going to get mastitis. Where's my baby? <laughs> she needs food. I mean, I was fine being apart from her because firstly, it's my fourth baby. Secondly, I, I've done the nursery thing before with my second daughter, my you know, elder daughter, second child. I know my husband knows what he's doing. I was like, they can keep her. I just want to make sure that she gets fed. But, it's quite amazing. I mean, it, it's not an uncommon thing with the, the women who I work with, that they will spend some time in ICU if there has been a complication or mm. if they've had a big bleed or whatever it may be. And it never ceases to amaze me. The only thing that they think about is the baby. Yeah. The only thing. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. For me, I was thinking a lot about that tube up my nose, I must say. <laughs> it's horrific. Well, tell me, what was the recovery like? How long were you in ICU? It was just one day or overnight. I don't even know what time it was, but it was, it was one moment in time, one day or so maybe less, but then it was, it was, it was five more nights in hospital after the cesarean. So I was there for about eight nights or so, but the recovery from, from that was really quite unpleasant. I wasn't allowed to eat for three days. I had this tube up my nose, felt every time I talked, I wanted to gag because it felt like you've got a, You've swallowed a straw and it's just sitting at the oh. back of your throat. It was, it was really awful. And I didn't let any of the kids see me. I didn't want to see my baby in that time because I was in like the ward where a lot of the bowel surgery patients go. I didn't want, I could not face talking to people with that tube up my nose because it was, and I didn't want the kids to see me like that. So the baby was with Brad and stayed in the nursery. The kids stayed home and I just, I just wanted to be alone. You know, I didn't, I didn't want visitors and I didn't want to talk to anyone and I just my pain button and I just... And did you have family coming in and out? They were coming in and out, but I was like zombied out. And I'm typically a pretty chatty person, but in that setting, I just needed space. The nausea was quite, I I found it quite awful. The pain was really awful because a fresh wound had just been opened up again. I had all this inflammation in my abdomen. Like I was really, really sick. So the recovery was, was difficult. I think I lost eight kilos in five days, which is a big amount for me. I'm a really small framed person. And yeah, then I had to start reintroducing food. I had to start with a liquid diet and then purees and then low fiber food and then went home. And the home period was equally as challenging.
It's enormously challenging for a mum who's had a Caesar to then go home to a home full of toddlers who just want to climb on you and jump on you and they're so excited. You you couldn't enjoy any of that. No, no. And for me, and some people don't agree with this, I love that postpartum period. I always have. I love a n- newborn. It's like they're like a puppy or a kitten. Like for me, I just go into like natural mode. Like this is this is what I'm born to do. And I, I, I love, I love being in hospital after they're born. I love going home with a new baby. I just like thrive on that period. And for me, I was so excited. I call it like my koala time. And I, I, I lost that with her. I don't remember much of it. I was really unwell. I was going to the toilet a lot because that's what happens after you have some bowel removed. And I had, a, I had my, my dog was really, really unwell and I had been treating him all through the pregnancy and he was, he was my first baby, that dog. And I had to go out of the hospital and we drove, we went, the first day I got home, I took him to my colleague's um, vet practice because I, I needed to run some tests on him. And I had like, I was hobbling around with this fresh wound, my, like just out of hospital for a few hours. And I was looking after my dog. So it was a, the baby side of it was a blur because I was just focused on making sure my dog was okay as well and, um, yeah, running in and out of the toilet every hour. And is this happening during lockdowns? No, this was... Was um, this COVID so time? Just, it was three months before before COVID. So there was talk of COVID, but, yeah, so I... It hadn't, hadn't hit Hadn't yet. hit. So just, just to re- s- summarise what actually happened, I got home... I'm running in and out of the toilet. I, re- I couldn't leave the house. I, I was going to the toilet probably 10 times a day with like, and you, I had to bolt to the toilet. I was on this really low fiber diet and couldn't eat anything with color because it was all fibrous. I, it was just like literally on starches and, and carbs and, and protein um, and all these protein drinks. And I had this new baby. And you're breastfeeding throughout this? Oh, yeah, this? of course. I'm breastfeeding. Throw that I'm into the mix. I'm trying to gain weight. I'm like, honestly, it was like just insane. And working as well? Oh, well, I, I, yeah, I I forgot to add that part in. I just (laughs) launched my own business, um, like a week before the baby was born. So, um. So for those who are business owners, (laughs) a a, a new business is a baby. Mm -hmm. Like it takes up an enormous amount of time, mental energy, physical energy. So you're doing newborn baby, newborn business. Yeah. And it's an online business. So we were selling, we sell dog products and cat products. So I was literally, and we when we started the business, we were packing them from our house. Um, and I, so I was packing the boxes in between <laughs> breastfeeding my baby. With the and running to the toilet. And running to the toilet. Oh, wow. And then I'm packing boxes. And it actually was, it, it was the, the most insane time. Goodness. I was just thinking, my gosh, what is going to hit me next? And then... And then something did. Yes. And then, and then I'm changing the baby's nappy. She's Lottie's three Lottie. months old now. She's three months old and I, I'm changing her nappy on the dining room table because that's, uh, no, on the kitchen bench top. That's where she used to spend most of her time. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, because I was like, the kitchen was is in, in that house, was in the middle of the house. So I was like, okay, there's kids running everywhere. My other kids are wild. There's dogs everywhere. Uh, you're you're going to live on the kitchen island. <laughs> 
Um, so that's where she lived in like a little cocoon thing. This organized chaos. I it's love so it. so organized. I'm feeding the kids on the other side, the newborns on the one side. It's like close to the fridge. It was good. And then I was changing a nappy and I was like, oh gosh, what is that little lump there? And I, I obviously, she's just a little puppy, isn't she? So I had a little feel. I'm like, oh my gosh, you've got an inguinal hernia. So I called my pediatrician and I said, my baby's got a hernia. And Something well, Something about hernias in your family, huh? Yep. So I, w- I had a surgical hernia and the baby had a congenital mm. hernia and off she went to surgery a couple of days later, which was, I would say that was very confronting because anesthetizing your newborn baby is, is mm. yeah, pretty scary. Even though the anesthetic side of things doesn't scare me as much because I, I do that to, to animals all the time. It's something about the them not having a say in what's going on. Mm. It's a completely different thing when you're talking about an animal, different when you're talking about yourself, but different entirely when you're talking about your child. Totally, totally. And look, I mean, don't get me wrong, when I have to anaesthetise my own animals, I actually feel the same way as when I, when she had to be anaesthetised. It's it's something about when it's your own. Yeah, It's even, it, diff- even different, more different in a way because you're doing the anaesthetic. Correct. In vet practice, but you're handing over to someone else to do the anesthetic for Lottie. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So yeah, she went and she had surgery and that was a really, it was actually very minor. It was pretty remarkable, tiny little incision. Her recovery was phenomenal. Like babies are unbelievable. Oh, they're amazing. I mean, they, most of the time they don't have any pain relief. Yeah, she had a bit of Panadol for the first day and then it was like absolutely nothing. It was incredible. Forget about it, yeah. And then... We squeezed her in the week before the elective surgeries in the hospital shut down because of COVID. And then it was COVID. So then I was stuck at home with all these children and my bowel issues and... So your issues, were they improving or were they continuing to torment you? I couldn't leave the house for about three months. Because Um, of proximity to toilet? Yeah. Yeah. And when you you have a postpartum um, period, you know, you... You lose that awareness in the same sense, you know. Mm. So I didn't, I was too scared to go any further than, you know, up or down the street. That you couldn't control. Yeah. And thank goodness there were no accidents. But I, yeah, I just, I needed that safety net of being at home. Um, And then, look, I wasn't right. I don't think for probably 18 months. It took me a good, not even, maybe two years. I wasn't right for two years. It took me two years to, to, for my bowels to okay with losing that length, which in the whole scheme of things is not that much, but my bowel did not like it at all. It certainly took a toll. And and were you, was it explained to you by your team that this was all expected? It was all yeah. half of the course? Yep. Uh, the, the recovery from the bowel surgery was all by the book. It wasn't a typical Caesar recovery, but the bowel surgery itself was as expected. But I guess my, it took my bowels longer to adapt than most people. I feel like this is with you, you just you tend to do things in a big way. <laughs> That's not the end of the story. No. Not by a long shot. So can you explain what is this concept of adhesions in the abdomen? Yeah. So adhesions are basically scar tissue. So anytime you operate in the abdomen on a human, on an animal, you can scar. Just like you scar on the outside of your skin, you can scar on the inside of your abdomen too or it's anywhere sort of like, in your body. Um, like spider webs. Yeah, like like fibrousy kind of spider webs. Mm. So that, thank goodness, every time I had a cesarean, 
whenever they looked inside at each surgery, they said, you're really lucky. You don't actually scar a lot. You you're, you don't have adhesions like they see in other people. In, and that's why they allowed me to have so many cesareans because I heal really well. And that's just luck. You know, I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. But with this, there, there, was, there was something that didn't go to plan again. So rewind back to May this year. So I was at work and I was recording some stuff and I started to develop this really loud bowel sounds, like just like gurgling noises that you could hear across the room. Like you would hear it on this podcast. It was that loud. Like it was. They're definitely not normal. Not normal. Everyone was saying, what is that sound? I'm like, yeah, excuse me. That's just my belly <laughs> making some noises. I didn't have any pain at that time. So I, we all just dismissed it that I'd, you know, maybe eaten too much dessert or something. And then within like four to six hours, I was in agony. Like the same type of pain that I was having when I had that pain in the hospital, but not at the same level. So that is like a 100 out of 10, that kind <laughs> of hospital pain. So when, when I went to hospital for this, this recent thing, they said to me, well, how would you rate your pain out of 10? I said, well, I have a very abnormal understanding of pain now because my highest is like off the chart. So I actually don't know how to classify this level of pain, but maybe it's an eight. I don't know. But like, but you knew based on previous experience, you were not going to ignore this. I wasn't going to ignore it. I mean, I was, it was like I was having contractions. I would walk and then I'd have to stop, breathe, breathe for a minute and then it would pass. And then like it would come back every few minutes. It, w- it was not a normal type of pain, but in between it, it w- there was like some periods of like, okay, well, maybe we can deal with this. Anyway, the reason I went to the hospital was because I messaged my surgeon and I said to him, I've got these symptoms. And he said, get straight to the hospital. I think you've got a bowel obstruction. I was like, what? A bowel obstruction? I've been fine for like 18 months, like living my best life. Like I'd put on weight and I was eating everything. and I was great. So off I went to hospital and they did a CT scan. And lo and behold, I had a whopping uh, bowel obstruction, which... Basically, it was in my small intestine um, and they, they at that time thought it was from scar tissue from the previous bowel surgery. So I was vomiting. I was in pain. My guts were talking their own language um, across the room and they managed me medically. And then basically over that period, I was in and out of hospital a couple of times and basically on a liquid diet and a puree diet for about 10 weeks because every time I started to eat solid food, my bowel just obstructed again. I'd be vomiting in the middle of the night and like had many times where I would just vomit during the night, have pain, call my parents and say, come over, I'm going to hospital. And then I fasted myself and it passed on it, you know, it just the, the obstruction um, pain eased and I stopped vomiting and I tolerated liquid and then I stayed on liquids. I mean, it was crazy. Like I lost weight during that period and the surgeon, we tried, they, they did a whole bunch of diagnostics. They couldn't actually locate exactly where the issue was, but they wanted everything to settle down before they rushed me into surgery. Because if I was going to have emergency surgery in that setting, I would have had to have what you call the zipper, like mm. a vertical incision all the way down my abdomen. I really didn't want to do that. That's very hard to recover from. So I waited. So the first time round, you had that the part of your bowel herniating through the cut through that was made for the cut. Caesar? Yeah. This time the bowel is on off being strangled by these webs, adhesions yep. within yep. the abdomen. Well, when they got in there, it wasn't actually webs. So 
bizarrely, and I guess it's a good outcome that there wasn't. So they, they, I had surgery about six weeks ago now. Fortunately, they reopened my Caesar wound and they told me before the surgery that they probably wouldn't be able to do that. And they, I'd either have laparoscopic surgery or a vertical incision, but my surgeon was incredible and he was able to reopen the Caesar wound, which is amazing. It's just one scar, thank goodness. And it's easier to recover from that low down cut than mm. a vertical cut up the center. It's and not moving every time you it's breathe, not moving. every time you talk. Exactly right. So yeah, they opened me up and, and what had happened was where they had joined my bowel back together previously had narrowed, which is what's called a stricture. So the opening had narrowed with scar tissue. But the bowel itself was also twisted and it was herniating <laughs> through itself. So it must have been going twisting and untwisting or, mm. and, and that's why I was having periods of relief in between. So they had to, they cut out just 10 centimetres more bowel and sewed it back together, made a nice new join. I was in hospital for five nights. That join is, is a topic in itself. That's really important because sometimes, you, you know, if this had have gone longer, Sometimes the, the bowel is so damaged that you can't actually do what we call a primary anastomosis where you, you join each of the cut ends, you just join them together. Sounds really simple, but sometimes you actually have to, what we call externalize it, which means plug one end into your abdominal wall mm -hmm. and put a bag there, colostomy bag. So was that, was that a possibility? Not in this sense. They said, because my bowel actually looked really healthy I didn't have any of those spider web kind of adhesions through my abdomen. He said it was so localized to this one spot. And it was inside the bowel. That's the key, the yeah. stricture, the narrowing. Yeah. Well, they couldn't see, I mean, they couldn't see it from the outside. So they, and I'd had MRIs and, and some other tests and, and they couldn't pick it up. So yeah, it was, it, but it was, he said it was, it was like tangled in that mm. spot. So just untangling it, fixing what's called an internal hernia. So the bowel had kind of like herniated through the, the attachments of the bowel. It, it was enough to, to fix it. So yeah, the recovery from that has also been interesting. Not as bad as the first time, I must say. Um, but but I also went into this a lot sicker. So I, I, you know, I went into the last surgery, I had a healthy pregnancy and I had a good amount of weight on me um, and I'd only been sick for two days and then I had that surgery. And yes, that surgery was horrific because of how sick I was at that time. But this, I had been unwell for 10 weeks before I had this surgery. I went into the surgery weighing 46 kilos, which is tiny. So I didn't have much reserve on me. And, and, the, and I had been on this liquid diet, hadn't eaten solid food properly in months and I was a lot kind of more debilitated going into this surgery, but the actual surgery itself was less complicated than obviously the previous one. So, While at the same time you're managing four kids, age three to 10, and as you said, the, the successful business, which is only growing and growing. So you, you had a hell of a lot on your plate. Yeah, it has been a lot. But you know what? I just feel so lucky and even... Everyone says to me, oh, you poor thing, you poor thing. And I, I, I always throughout this process just kept thinking there are people with so many worse things than I've got going on right now. And that's what got me through it. Like I just, I couldn't just sit there and, and feel sorry for myself. I, I had to just think of everyone else who was dealing with a lot more. And that's what, that's what helped me 
navigate through this and, and knowing that things could have been so much worse in every possible way. I could have died after um, the complication from the cesarean. Um, my bowel could have ruptured. I could have had an infection of intestinal contents, you know, causing that through my abdomen. I could have been in ICU for a long time. I could have died. I could have lost more bowel. I could have had a colostomy bag. I could have been in a far worse state than I was. And that's what got me through that period is knowing that, wow, I'm actually really lucky that I'm alive, that they picked this up and that they only had to remove 60 centimetres of bowel instead of metres of bowel. Mm. Um, And the same thing in this setting, you know, I'm so lucky that they went through my Caesar wound and I didn't have to have the vertical incision and I also didn't have to have a bag and the and there's no extensive adhesions through my abdomen, which means hopefully this is the end of it. You know, and I also felt really lucky to have my kids as well because, yeah, when taken away from them, it gives you that perspective of, wow, okay, I've actually got this incredible family at home and I've got to just get better and get back to them. You're an incredible, incredible human with a phenomenal (laughs) mindset. But the thing that struck me the most was when I said to you, having been through what you've been through, would you have another baby by a cesarean? (laughs) Your answer struck me. (laughs) We can't say this in front of my family though, because they will, I will (laughs) be in trouble. (laughs) But you would do it all again. I would do it again. Yeah, I'd do it again. I'd do it again. I'm crazy. And this is not going to happen to other people, right? Like it was a one in a million complication. I, my logical mind tells me you are insane. Don't you ever do this again? But my heart, my heart wants to, but hopefully logic wins in this sense. I think I've got other things to focus on for now. But yeah, I don't, I don't want any of this to scare people off from having Caesars. And that was what I felt most concerned about even talking to you about this in public was that it's not about anything that went wrong in the cesarean. With any birth, there's, a, there's the risk of complications. With vaginal birth, there's a risk of complications. With, with emergency seizures, there can be complications. With elective seizures, there can be complications. And what happened to me was incredibly rare. In fact, m- the majority of the staff in the hospital had never seen this happen before. That's how rare it was. It's reported in, in the literature, but it's not something that you typically see Mm. happen have you have you seen it happen before and never never seen it and and you know rare complication on top of rare complication exactly just yeah you defy the statistics (laughs) and how's the family now they're good they're grateful they're so happy (laughs) i'm okay every time i gain a kilo everyone's like yes she's gained (laughs) a kilo not to mention i'm having like all these like hospital grade nutritional supplements to try and get my weight back on but they, yeah, they're, they're very elated. Dr. Lisa Chimes, thank you so much for sharing your incredible journey and the strength you've shown throughout this, through everything that life has thrown at you is quite uh, inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to enjoy more parenting stories like this one, please like, follow, subscribe and share Dr. Golly and the Experts wherever you listen. And just before you go, I have a favour to ask. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you could rate and review the show so that more people can find us and hear these incredible stories just like Lisa's.